0: What's up, guys? Evolution.org podcast coming your way. Good evening, everyone. Steve Smee here. Rick is in the house.
1: Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys?
0: All right, guys. So we have another great Q&A episode headed your way. So let's get right into it. The first one is a question that we have gotten a lot lately. um, And I wonder if it's because a lot of guys are – you know, competing or whatnot, but they try to make a weight class. So they want to know, can you use steroids and gain strength for a competition, whether it be wrestling, weightlifting, boxing, any of these competitions, but also not increase your actual mass, you know, where you causes you to lose your weight class. So let's say, you're trying to compete in the 160 weight class, for example. And if you're 160.1, they kick you out of the weight class. Now you got to compete in the 170 weight class. I've competed in powerlifting. Rick's competed in, I believe, MMA and wrestling. So he knows about weight class. And a lot of people, um, you know, they're scared to use steroids, was going to get bumped out of the weight class. So I'm going to bring in Rick first because, Rick, you used to. Um, do a lot of wrestling and MMA and you had to make weight, correct? So can you use steroids and still not gain weight? And if so, which steroids would you recommend?
1: Well, I don't have, um, experience with myself, uh, using steroids while trying to make weight. You know, I wrestled much younger before I started, uh, juicing. And, uh, when I fought I was drug free for, for the fight, cause uh, there was random testing. So basically, um, I would say people out there that are trying to maintain their weight and just gain strength. winstrol comes to mind. It's a good steroid that'll help you gain a, a good bed of strength without a lot of mass. Trembolone, if you're on a if you're in a strict diet, you know, trembolone on a strict diet will help you gain a ton of strength. And you won't you won't put on a lot of mass. As a matter of fact, if you're trying to use trembolone for bulking, you need to eat enough. If you don't eat enough, trembolone's is just not gonna put on the mass. So if you use it that way with a straight diet uh, and uh, even a, a cutting diet and tremble on, it'll, it'll give you some pretty damn good strength. Um, Turinobol, we discussed in a uh, previous podcast here. Turinobol is also a nice one. I would say those are the three that I would really go with as far as good strength gains without a lot of extra pounds on the scale. Take Winstroll, Trent on a, on a cutting diet, obviously, and Turinobol.
0: I, I wouldn't, I, I like to use, um, I don't like to use wind because it's the joint issues. So I wonder if you're like in powerlifting, if that would affect, you know, your joints and you kind of get creaky, you know, you dry out your joints a little too much. So for me, it'd be Anovar or t Um, Those would be really good at not causing weight gain. Um, I've actually gained a lot of weight on trend. Like literally the first two weeks on it, I'll put on like five or 10 pounds, um, so, but some people do, do tend to lean out on it. It just depends. So you definitely want to experiment with it, but if you can get away with using trend, then that's a, that's, you'll, you'll kill it. You know, you'll kill it because trend is the monster of all, of all steroids. So, um, but I'm pretty sure, you know, you could, you could definitely get away with Anavar or t Bowl and you would probably just put on maybe like a pound or two on them. But make sure they're legit because Anavar is frequently um, faked. So, <clears throat> Rick, I'm going to bring you in one more time. What's some advice? Um, because you had to make weight. I can remember um, some days I would be, I'd weigh myself in the morning ahead of the competition. I'd be like two or three pounds over. And what I would do is I just want to eat all day. That, and I also, if I was still over like by a half a pound or something, I would just put on a sweater and just run and try to sweat out that half a pound. But what are some um, advice, um, because you hear all kinds of advice. I can remember back in the day, uh, other guys would give me all this advice and there was all kinds of theories and strategies. So what's, did you come up with something that worked really well for you to make weight
1: Yeah, I did. Uh, First off, during season, you try not to get too badly out of weight. So just being responsible with your weight um, on the weeks that you're not competing, that's really important. And yeah, I mean, you can lose uh, body fat, uh, unwanted weight, you know, up to about, I would say about four days, three days before competition. The last four to three to two days today of competition, you're really going for water weight. So it, it, I used to just make a total shift in in the foods I ate. I used to have, uh, I used to cut and try to lose body fat all the way up until the week of a competition. Then, say about the last four, three, two days, you're just trying to get rid of water. And if you can get in your system some calorie dense foods, that'll allow you to train and and be mentally there, so you don't get injured because you can get injured moving around, not knowing what you're doing um, on the days coming up to competition. So if I could get some calorie dense foods that don't weigh a lot on the day on, while I'm still uh, losing water, that's, that's on the days coming up to, to the event. And then, um, yeah, that's about it. dude. just don't try to lose body fat um, in the last couple of days. Cause that's, you can get injured warming up, you know, you get injured moving around. So you want to make sure I would say, um, I would say just calorie dense foods, you know, on the last uh, 48 hours, 72 hours coming up to the event and just very, very long on the, on the, water. Obviously, if you do have some water, it's gotta be something that's going to put electrolytes in you and be right out like coconut, uh, um, coconut milk. Uh, also uh, look, anybody that's competing weight cutting at, at any level, you have coaches there and you've got, you've got guys with a lot of experience uh, there with you. So, I mean, I can give you guys some guidelines, but at the end of the day, you probably uh, are working with some coaches and, and other competitors that, have some some real tricks up their sleeve that are real specific to your sport. So just make sure to pick everybody's brain. You know, ask everybody a lot of questions. Don't be afraid. And these guys know some some tricks that you know I might not even be thinking of right now. So you want to get information from everybody that you possibly can.
0: All right, guys. So that's really good advice, Rick. The next one is a story of a guy. He wants to know is he healthy enough to go on TRT. Um, so basically, he's had a tough uh, past ten years, uh, about almost ten years ago, he had a ba- brain aneurysm. So he had to have, to have brain surgery to clip the aneurysm, which was successful. But they did put him on oxycontin um, and several other opiate painkillers for the pain. So he ended up getting addicted to those painkillers. By the way, we are going to mention we're going to talk about painkillers later in in this Q and A. But this is um, so he got on these painkillers. Um. So he basically got addicted And he got very depressed He had anxiety from all this um, He had been training his balls off his whole life And this put him in depression So he started drinking He, got, he started smoking um, So he lost interest in the gym So it's been a complete mess So he ends up, he's uh, 51 years old now he ended up, he's only 17% body fat, which isn't, you know, too bad. It's not good, but it's not too bad. I mean, it's good for the average American, but so he wants to know after he got blood work, you know, his testosterone levels are are a little on the low side. He wants to know, is it safe to hop on TRT, even with all this stuff, even though he's smoking, he's drinking, he's fighting an opiate addiction, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I guess, Rick, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just bring you in first and get your opinion on this. Um, do you think it's safe for this guy to be hopping on TRT right now?
1: No. No, it's just a simple answer. No, he, he really should clear out of, of these other issues before he starts adding steroids to the mix. They are going to affect your brain. We've discussed that in previous podcasts. They're going to affect uh, your health. So you'd want to be healthy, and you'd want to be on the up and up, and not be addicted to narcotics. If you're gonna, if you're gonna undertake this and get, you know, start using steroids, it's just my opinion. Um, don't want to come down on on the dude. You know, I don't want to make him feel like I'm you know, like I'm shutting him down. But it's just not. That's a even a TRT dose. He shouldn't see. There's a there's a lot to think about there because on, on the one end. He has low test levels and that might contribute some to his mood and all that. But on the other hand, you know, he's taking opiates. It's probably not, probably don't go well together um, for anybody. You know, we've discussed this in podcasts that are a lot of athletes that do, but it's not, not a yield. especially if he's fighting addiction, it's not even for pain at this point. So um, I would say try some, I don't know. I, I, I'd like to see him recover from opiates and then maybe come back and, and hop on the sauce. But there might, he might not have a lot of success, success if he's trying to juice and mess with opiates at the same time.
0: So I think in his situation, um, it really depends on which doctor he goes to. There are going to be a lot of doctors and clinics and stuff that are really going to be loose when it comes to TRT because they they want to make money. I mean, it's, you know, it's for-profit. It's a for-profit healthcare system. So, of course, they want to make money. So, they'll they'll want to get the blood worked on. They want to put them on TRT. Um, you know, and I agree with Rick. Um, these issues that this guy is experiencing, the, even the, the low testosterone specifically, can be resolved, can be reversed to some extent if he just cleans up his act. I mean, smoking, drinking, we've talked about drinking um a couple podcasts ago about how bad it is it's a lot worse for you than people think so you know smoking obviously is going to destroy your ability to to breathe i mean it's going to hurt it's going to destroy your lungs and if you can't breathe it's pretty hard to to really accomplish much in fitness because obviously when you breathe oxygen travels through the body and that that's very important i mean to be able to breathe so I feel like um, if this guy needs to you know definitely um, figure out his opiate addiction, that's step one. That's going to be the hardest thing to do. Quitting cigarettes is probably going to be the second hardest thing to do, and then quitting alcohol is going to be the third hardest thing to do, and probably in that order. And then once he does that, he probably won't even need TRT because his testosterone levels hopefully will rebound because his body won't be getting um, abused and poisoned on a daily basis. So, but I mean, at the end of the day, guys shame on these doctors for, for getting him hooked on opiates. And um, you know, we see that a lot, unfortunately, and it's, you have to just scratch your head. Why are doctors allowed to drug deal these dangerous drugs to people and nothing happens to them, but a drug dealer on the street, who sells opiate, they go to prison for 20 years. So, you know, there's definitely something wrong with, with the system that even just because a guy can write a script.
1: Oh, they're going to jail too. They're putting doctors in jail. They're suing companies now It's coming around now. Finally.
0: Yeah, it is. It's slow. It's a slow process. Um, I think people, you know, especially the politicians are realizing how much it's destroying communities, so they're filing writing laws to to go after um, you know these clinics and these doctors and stuff. But uh, gosh, this is this sounds like a really tough situation, Rick. And um, I hope this guy can uh, can overcome it. But um, gosh, I mean, it's hard. You got the three things: you got the opiate addiction, you got the, the alcohol addiction, you got the cigarette addiction, nicotine. That's that's a tough thing to overcome. So. You know, if you just hop on TRT, your testosterone levels will, will get higher testosterone levels. But, I mean, that's not going to fix a goddamn thing here. It, it really isn't because you're still poisoning your body on a daily basis, you see. So, I, I just don't see it um, – I, I don't see it being a, of any positive benefit. And uh, any final thoughts on this, Rick?
1: Yeah, man. Just um... – Got to gotta, gotta get off the drugs. Nicotine being the most useless and dangerous one out of them all. Just he, He's got to get off this stuff. It's bottom
0: line. All right, guys. So next topic is can you cut loose fat without cardio? And this is the age-old question that gets debated a lot. We had a thread on the forum about this. And surprisingly, most guys actually said that, yeah, you can cut without cardio, which is surprising because if you asked this question 10 years ago, I think you would have gotten a different answer from the community. But, you know, I've done it myself plenty of times. I mean, you guys know that who, who follow me on the forums. I do these long, prolonged fasts and I lose a lot of fat when I do these prolonged fasts and I'm, I don't do cardio when I'm doing these prolonged fasts, I still lose fat. So can you lose fat without doing cardio? Absolutely. The thing is, though, about cardio, cardio is very beneficial for the heart. So if you're not doing cardio, you're really setting yourself back. Uh, A healthy heart makes a healthy body. I mean, all your organs should be healthy. So absolutely, cardio should be part of your thing but it does start in the kitchen that cliche is true abs are made in the kitchen so what you put in your body when you put stuff in your body how often you put stuff in the body and if you're you know um, spacing out your food all makes a difference you can eat the same amount of food okay from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. same food same amount of food Everything's the same right and then you can eat in a four-hour window, let's say from 2 to 6 p.m., the same amount of food. And you the person who eats in that four-hour window will lose more fat than the person who eats in the 12-hour window. And that is not because they're eating less calories. because I said, they're eating the same amount of food, so they're getting the same exact calories. But the trick is their gut health is going to be better eating in a four-hour window. Their metabolism, okay, is not going to change in either either way we know that at the end of the day if you're eating the same amount of food metabolism is going to stay the same that's not a factor your hormones are going to be better eating in a four hour window your insulin is going to be lower your glucagon is going to be higher okay so um, it's going to change the way your body produces hormones in different times and it's not it's going to put your body more in a fat burning mode for most of the day versus a fat storing mode The United States, okay, we do something interesting in the United States. We exercise more than any other country, okay? Sports is very important. Sports are our lives. What do I do on Sunday? I watch football. What do I do that morning? I I do a lot of cardio. I work out. We work out more than any other country in the world. We have more gyms than any other country in the world. We have more yoga yoga studios than any other country in the world. But the thing is, we also eat more than any other country in the world. So we are big eaters and we're big on, on exercise. And where has that led us? We've gotten fatter and fatter. Denmark, on the other hand, they eat way less than us. They eat much healthier than us and they exercise way less than us. Actually of all the first world countries, they exercise the least, but they're also the leanest. So that should tell you something right there. Um, The proof is in the pudding on that one. And we've seen that over the past 30 years that, over exercising and overeating is not the solution to lose fat, guys. You're not going to outrun a bad diet. So those of you who are spending an hour in the gym and then you go to Chick-fil-A after the gym or Chipotle or any of these places which are fast food and they cook their food in crappy oils which basically go straight to your gut. If you're doing that, you're wasting your time. It's very important that you eat healthy number one. I don't care if you exercise 4 hours a day. If your diet is shit, You will not lose fat if you're a fat person. What do you think about this, Rick? Do you agree with what I'm saying or do you have a different perspective?
1: Well, diet is number one for sure. You can just, you can stay lean just on diet alone. Two, um, some cardio is important. Those first 20 minutes of fasted cardio in the morning, that's your uh, fat loss key right there. Nice big jug of water, 20 minutes of uh, fasted cardio, get your heart rate up. And that's it, You're, you're good. You can do more you can do more cardio and you can do cardio again in the afternoon. You can uh, have uh, other hobbies that involve you doing cardio, like, you know, playing basketball, mountain biking, soccer, whatever it is that you like to do for fun, you know, running with your dog, whatever it is. But those first 20 minutes in the morning, those are pretty key. So I guess, look, to not give out this complicated answer, diet is number one. Yes. You can stay lean on diet alone, um, you really, really need to to lose body fat fast, you know effectively you need those first twenty minutes of fasted cardio in the morning and then if you do more than that, yes, great, but the key is diet, you know number one thing is diet,
0: diet 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 all the time This is something you guys everyone can listen to this I want you to do this after this podcast if you if you don't regularly do it is test your resting heart rate, okay, your resting heart rate is very very important. Everyone listening to this, okay your resting heart rate should be under 85. And um, if you're an athlete, you think you're an athlete, you think you're in great shape, your resting heart rate should be under 65 or 68 or maybe 70 at the most. So test out your resting heart rate, see where it's at. If your resting heart rate is elevated, it's in the 80s or 90s, then you need to up your cardio. You, should, you need to do some high intensity cardio. Um, try to do it like maybe every other day. I mean, every day would be wonderful if you do it, like Rick said, maybe 20 minutes a day, but if you can't, it doesn't fit your schedule or something, or you hate cardio, at least try to do it maybe every other day or every third day. I mean, you got to get your heart health improved. Um, it's not going to work guys. If you're, I, we had a guy on the forum, his, uh, resting heart rate was like one Oh one. I'm like, dude, I mean, I, I don't, I don't even care what you look like. Okay. You could be muscular and ripped or whatever, but if your heart is shit, then you've got problems. I guarantee you, like Rich Piana, the last six months that he was alive, the guy was huge. The guy was huge. Had veins popping out of his muscles. I'm sure a lot of guys would kill for his body. But I guarantee you, his resting heart rate was super high. He had a very, very weak heart. He had a very weak body. So I don't care what you look like, guys. It's what inside You can be very weak inside and look very strong, but at the end of the day, why not be strong inside and be strong on the outside as well? So try your resting heart rate, you know, get your diet on point, guys, and also take care of your heart. Please take care of your heart, especially those of us who are using steroids. Very important. All right, guys. So we're rolling around. So, um, let's talk about prednisone and other painkillers. And should you be using this when you have, uh, some, uh, some, um, nagging injuries, I'll put it that way. So prednisone, um, doctors are handing this out, this shit out like candy. We see a guy uh, posting every other day on the forums. They handed it to me as well. Okay. Dentists are handing this shit out like candy as well. Um, because, uh, you go to the dentist, you get a root canal, you go to the dentist, you get a cavity filled or tooth pulled. They're going to give you probably, they're going to give you prednisone. And what prednisone is guys is a catabolic steroid. It's not an anabolic steroid. It's a catabolic steroid. What catabolic steroids do is they lower inflammation and the way they, they do that. Um, I'm going to kind of explain it in simple terms. They kind of tell your brain to shut off inflammation. Now inflammation is very important because inflammation is your body healing something, right? So (laughs) if you shut it off, think about it. It doesn't make any sense. Now, if there's an extreme situation, okay, you're extreme, like, you know, very extreme situation where you have to have it, you have to reduce inflammation or else you're going to die. Fine. But if you're a gym rat, and you're reducing inflammation because you have a little tendonitis in your elbow or some, some pain in your knee or something. Think about it. Think about how that doesn't make any sense because now you're going to shut off the, the pain. You're going to tell your brain, there's no pain. You're going to shut off the inflammation. Then you're going to go to the gym and you're going to pound away and you're going to make a small nagging injury into a chronic injury. And that's the mistake guys are making. And they're turning these little nagging injuries into big injuries. And the reason for that is because when they were younger, they were able to train through these little nagging injuries, take these painkillers, and they got away with it. But When you get older and you start doing that, you'll end up like some of these football players who are in real wheelch- wheelchairs and they need canes to walk because what football players were doing over the years is they would take painkillers before a football game and they'd go and play the football game, pound their body into the dirt. And then now they can't walk after they're retired. So, you know, that's, that's, that's how it is. Yeah. Rick, what's your opinion on, on these painkillers?
1: I don't have a lot of experience with painkillers. I'm really, really lucky that my body adjusts the pain quite well. So, Whenever I've had, had injuries, I don't think to me they feel as painful as maybe when I see other people have injuries. When I've had like really bad spasms or when I've tore some muscles, I've tore muscle in my groin and things like that. I mean, I'll, I'll maybe uh, use some Diclofenac, uh, vitamin B complex injectable, or, or even oral is always really good. But that's about it. I'm not, I don't have a lot of experience with with these painkillers, I, I don't know. I mean, I just, uh, I've, I've, always, I've always had like a, a I don't know if i call it a high pain tolerance, but something will hurt for a little bit and then I'll just get used to it. And it's always been like that. So I don't, I don't have a lot of personal experience with it. But yeah, I mean, uh, the Clofenac injectable and uh, vitamin, B, vitamin, B, B, um, <clears throat> vitamin B complex injectable, uh, I get those two uh, usually at Pharmacia when I'm around South America and uh, they're, you know, they're very effective, man, for pain, for, for pretty much, uh, pretty much any kind of big muscle or joint injury or or anything. They take the pain away. Just one shot. I feel really good after. And I've had to do that maybe, uh, you know, half a dozen times in my lifetime. Not, not many. So I'm, I'm pretty good with that. I wish I, I wish I had more to add uh, for you guys out there, but-
0: I Well, should... let, let, let me pick your brain on supplements that are really good for your joints. What are some supplement ingredients, Rick, that you recommend for the joints?
1: Well, um, there's a lot of good stuff that, that you kind of need to, to keep your joints well. Glucosamine sulfate, uh, I don't like the HCL version. I think the sulfate version is the good one. Chondroitin sulfate, that's always been a, a good one. Uh, Cysticlendragularis extract. You know, I felt that really helped with inflammation and and just uh, making everything feel nice. MSN, you know, Methylcine, is called Methylcine Methane, uh, MSN. And that's also just great, great product for your joints. You know, I also found, too, vitamin K2. Um, when you get the, the good one, the menaquinone um, Kinone 7, that's also been something that I, I felt consistently helped my joints. So I think I'm taking more of a preventive approach to, to joint pain. So I've used these products, I've used these ingredients for ages and I developed a product around it called n 2 RX. is in our store, needtobuildmuscle.com. So n 2 RX has all these ingredients plus some more. And this is pretty much what I use to keep my, my joints um, working nicely. And I'm going into 40 and Always in the gym, always pounding away, and my joints are still perfect. Um, whenever I've had some little injuries here you and know, there, nagging stuff, I've added austerin on top of the N2 joint RX. But for the most part, just the N2 joint RX is is helped me, you know, it's helped me keep my feelings, it's helped me keep my joints feeling quite young. I don't I don't feel 40 at all when I'm in the gym. So um, it's, that's been those just being consistent with those ingredients are good. And you know, a lot of guys mentioned Deca for, uh, for their joints. I mean, I guess Deca was all right, but I feel much better just making sure to stay with the, the, with the glucosamine uh, sulfate, chondroitin sulfate, MSM, the sisters quadrangularis. I mean, those, those things have together made my joints feel better than Deca ever did. And again, like I said, when I've had real injuries, I mean, I've, I've tried Osterin. We don't know much about Osterin. We know it's powerful, but we don't know what the long-term side effects from it are really going to be. So I've used it just just when I've had injuries that I wanted to recover from quickly, uh, which, you know, have, hasn't been too many times, uh, thank God. But, yeah, I mean, the, the, those is what, that's what I recommend for joints, guys. Uh, anybody out there that that's concerned about it, maybe you're getting up there in age or you're just kind of prone to joint injuries, which some guys are, um, this is, you know, this is what I do.
0: I had a bunny who's a tennis player. He uh he was having knee issues because you've been playing tennis on concrete. It's just a, it's an overuse injury all on the concrete, just nailing your knee, nailing your knee. So um he had tried everything. He had tried every supplement, he had tried everything out there. Um, drugs, he tried supplements over the counter from the drugstore, or whatever. So I got him into joint RX. I handed him a bottle, I'm like, Will you try this? And he looked at the bottom, he's like He's like, I'm supposed to take all these every day. And I said, take all these every day. Follow the directions on the bottle. And he's like, okay, okay. If you say so, Steve, I trust you. A week later, I, uh, I see him and he hands me a $50 bill. He's like, Steve, he shook my hand. He's like, Steve, I took this. After a week, I feel so much better. And he gave me $50. And I was like, dude, no, I'm not going to take your $50. Bucks. Just take it. He's like, where do I get more of this? <laughs> he was all worried. He's like I need more of this. I'm scared. Where where can you find this? I said, "Dude, don't worry. Just go online. It's on it's on n2bm.com. Don't don't worry about it." So, that's a true story, guys. So the stuff definitely makes a difference. And you know, a lot of you may be deficient in in these in these uh supplements. Maybe you're you're not getting it from your food, maybe you're not absorbing it properly. So by taking it in, in a supplement form, you're able to offset that. So definitely yeah give that a shot before you go and you take all these horrible horrible drugs that these doctors are handing out like fucking candy these days
1: yeah you know that's one thing that i try to do at in, in the formulation phase of, of each product when we're when we're making pilots and testing them out with people I, I i try to make sure that we add a good amount of one or two ingredients that are going to start working right away so even if like the long-term effect of the formula, at least in the case of N2 Joint Rx, is really to help you with your joints to make sure that you get enough glucosamine and chondroitin every day, and to help that repair along. I also made sure to add a couple of ingredients that are, are there to help inflammation like today, that are there to help like discomfort and joint and pain today. And um and those were specifically the Ciscus and also the hyaluric acid. Uh, we put those in there because I mean, with my own experience and, and everything we've uh, worked with guys we've worked with on on this product it's they take care of pain right away, like same day so that's you know that's a really nice and rewarding part of, of getting the feedback from where people use the products is that they get the, the initial benefits from those ingredients that are there to take care of the of the issue today, and then as the days go on and the other stuff builds up, the, the benefits just continue. So yeah, it's, it's what, what people report, man. One bottle of N2Joint, if you have some uh, joint issues and just w- within the first two days, three days, you're going to feel a really real, real difference.
0: All right, guys, next topic. Uh, if you guys go back to Podcast 285, we talked about best places to meet women. So this one, Podcast 287, we're going to talk about worst places to meet women. Now, this makes a difference, by the way. There's a lot of alimony and child support being shelled out by millions and millions of men across this great nation who met women in the wrong place. So I'll start off um, with Rick on this because I'm sure Rick's met a lot of bad women as well. But I think that clubs and bars are bad places to meet women. And I'll tell you why. We're in fitness, okay? We're in the fitness world. And if you're going and meeting girls in bars and clubs, she's probably going to want to continue going to bars and clubs once you're dating. Okay. And that's not good because, you know, alcohol, obviously the smoking that's involved there, it goes hand in hand. It doesn't agree with our lifestyle clubbing clubs. Don't even open. I was once went on a date with this girl, it was like nine o'clock at night. I'm like, Hey, let's hit a club. She's like, Oh, the clubs don't even open till like 11, 1130. 30. So, I mean, if you're in that clubbing lifestyle, you're going to be drinking, smoking, doing rec drugs, out late, you know, wasting your entire next day, sleeping in half your day doesn't fit in your lifestyle. So I don't think that's a good place to meet women. Plus... She's going to be going to those clubs and bars with her girlfriends when you're dating, and there's going to be other guys that are doing exactly what you did to meet her, which is talking to her, dancing with her, buying her drinks, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that that's not a good idea to meet a girl in a bar or club. Rick, what what do you think?
1: I I don't know if the places have so much to do with the kind of girls you meet, but yeah, I mean, if you meet them at a place where there's alcohol or drugs involved, there's a good chance that that's places she likes to frequent. So yeah, if, you, if it's not part of your lifestyle, I guess, <clears throat> I guess, a, yeah, I guess you're right, Steve, it's a, a play, a, not a good place to meet a, a woman is a place that's out of your lifestyle, outside of your, of your values. You know, in the same token, if you're not a church going guy and uh, you go with a, a friend or a buddy or something and you meet a girl at a church, but you're not, you're not that kind of dude, you're not about that lifestyle, that's a wrong place to meet a girl, right? You want to kind of meet people that are near your lifestyle. You need that have kind of like kind of the, the same things uh, you like. And, um, you know, good way to do that. I don't know if a gym is a good place to meet a lot of, to meet women, man. I don't, I don't, have I had a lot of luck at the gym? Not, not a lot. I, I've, I've met women outside of the gym and then we, we might work out together once in a while, but. I don't know about the gym picking up women I mean, I'm just in their workout, and women are a little bit I think maybe in the defensive at the gym a little bit because they're you know they're sweaty and they're about their workout don't they don't feel pretty maybe or, or as pretty as um, as they do when they're done up.
0: Well, they're used to guys stalking them at the gym all the time and leering at them, so of course, they're going to be defensive, but the danger if you meet a girl at the gym and that's your gym, you go there every day that's your place to get away from everything. And you meet her and you date for a little bit and things don't go well and you break up. Okay. Which it probably will, (laughs) you know, then you got to go to the gym and run into her at the gym. You're going to keep seeing her and you don't want that. So you don't want that negativity. So that might not be a good idea. How about at work? Um, If you're working with someone, a lot of places don't let you date each other because of the risk involved there. Uh, Brick, what do you think about meeting women at work? You think that's a smart idea?
1: Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. You don't want to wait. You don't want to date people at work. That just doesn't, it's not, not a good idea. Not at all. And a lot of, a lot of dudes end up being lovers to married women at work, which is, it's another tough one. I mean, yeah, you don't, you don't want to do that. Every time you bring relationship issues into work is already for most people, the office or, or the, or the job, the social interaction there is already uncomfortable for most people. You know, the way, the way most jobs work, either you have a job where the boss is overbearing. There's a ton of shit to do and people are mad at the establishment, or you get a job where it's pretty gravy management's fairly, fairly relaxed. And then the employees make each other fucking crazy and miserable. So work interaction is already tough enough. You don't want to throw relationships in there. It's, it's, it gets real. Unless you guys are like soulmates and can manage it and, and, you know, and really, and really do it. But for the most part, it's probably not the best place to meet someone is is at, at work. It, it's it's going to end up going south in one way or another, most, you know, 80% of the time, in my opinion. I don't, I don't, I don't know where I, I don't know where I pulled that as statistic out of my ass, but that's just... That's just what I'm going to toss out there. I think you meet somebody at work. You got an eighty percent chance of it going south some way, either affecting your job performance, or they leave you, and then you're uncomfortable because they're dating somebody else at the office, or the boss, or something fucked up happening like that. And then you've got to you've got to sit there and live with it.
0: I think I think if you're just looking to hook up, a bar or club is fine. But if you're looking for a relationship, it's not. But when it comes to work, I think. Both situations are very, very bad. Like if you hook up, if you just want to hook up with a girl from work, that's going to be not good. And if you want to have a relationship with a girl from work, that's not going to be good unless you're planning on leaving your job or she's going to leave her job. Um, But actually a lot of companies don't allow um, husbands and wives to work at the same firm. And that's just a common sense thing, obviously. Um, They won't even allow that. So if if your wife is working for a company it's a really good job and you want to apply to work at that company they won't they will not hire you even if you're even more qualified than she is because of that because of that reason so yeah it's it's very awkward i've um i've never dated someone from work before i came close many years ago but i've never done it but i would say it's a great place to meet women but it's not a good idea you know, it's, it's
1: probably also not a great place to need a uh, somebody to have a really good relationship with. Probably not the best place. Um, like the Philippines or the Ukraine or some of this weird male order bride stuff. That's that's probably not unless you were like unless you're like from there, unless you have like family in another country and you're kind of from the culture, you don't you don't wanna be the the American, you don't you don't wanna be the gringo um trying to trying to do something one of these women that's probably also not a great place that the philippines or or thailand or or, uh easter block countries you know that's probably not a yeah not not, not the best place either that's also not turned out too well at all
0: you know what that that's um a lot of times those women they're just looking they're they're thinking about money they're not really going to be in love with you and they'll never be in love with you in that situation. They're just looking to get out. They're just looking to come to America. They have this fantasy of what America is like. And if you're their meal ticket to come to America and get, get a, you know, uh, their citizenship and stuff, then they're just using you. So um, I, I've seen actually a lot of stories about that um, where they've, they've done that and the women uh, it really does not end well at all. Um, because the guy's like twice her age and he'll go there and like meet some like 18, 19, 20 year old girl. And he's like 45, 50. And um, it'd be, it's not a good situation at all. And she has to learn the language. <clears throat> she might have to learn to drive because she doesn't drive in her country. She's got to get a job. Um, it, otherwise she's just going to sit around and she's going to be banging the, the AC repairman when he comes over because you're um, you're an old fart, you know, she doesn't really, she's not really attracted to you. So that, that's probably not a good idea. I, I agree. I agree with that, Rick.
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah. Not, not the, not the best look, I guess if you want to travel there and hang out with them, there, not, not as bad, but don't bring them back. <laughs> don't bring them back. It's, it doesn't, you know, uh, um, there are some marriages like that, that actually work out well, but very, very few, you know, you're, you're already a a different kind of guy, different kind of character, if you're needing to look so far away to begin with already. And then um, just the cultural values are so different. There are things that you as an American might consider normal or okay to do, but in their culture might be real kind of everyday offensive. And it could be real subtle things, very subtle things that you won't even know you're doing. So... It's yeah, not, not a good, not a good look. Those...
0: <laughs> so I have, I have, I have, I have, a story. I'm sure Ricky have a story. I have a quick story. I, um, a few years ago I did some online dating. I met this Russian girl. She was my age. She was like, you know, mid thirties, but she, um, was from Russia and we went out on a few dates and, um, I started, you know, a lot of the things were fishy about her cause she'd only call me when she was at work. And in the evening, she would never call me. she'd only text me. So it was things kind of got fishy, so I started digging into her into her background, and I found out that she actually lived with a guy which I'm assuming was her husband, and he was like 60 years old. So he, he was probably he's about 25 years older than her, and she was basically going online to meet younger men to basically have fun with and, um, you know it was kind of weird, and it, it just shows you like what these women are thinking like when you when you go do stuff like that, they're actually gonna be trying to you know uh get you know get younger guys you know while you're naive and not paying attention, so obviously she wasn't happy in her marriage, and she wanted to go have fun with with other guys so that's that's all men are thinking. I just was confused as to why she just did not divorce and she wasn't happy. I have no clue. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Rick, you have an answer to that. I have no idea. Yeah, she should have just divorced his ass. Yeah. I mean, aren't you going to get alimony if you get divorced and take half his shit? I don't understand that. So.
1: Who, who knows? There's, there could be a lot of uh, different variables and situations going on. So who really knows, right? But I mean, look, uh, just to be fair, it won't just be the mail-order brides that are going to cheat on you. I mean, some that are your age, uh, that you meet in the good old U.S. of A, around your neighborhood, they'll cheat on you too. So it's, <laughs> let's not be too harsh on the, on the mail-order bride girls because, uh, you know, I mean, every person, man or woman, has got the capability to cheat. So what you described, Steve, probably goes on a lot more than you think with just, uh, you know, with people that are – married to somebody their age and apparently in a happy marriage a lot lot more than you think
0: yeah it was definitely her husband they had the same last name and she lived with him and he had like an american name so i know i know so how you
1: investigated you you stalked her on social or or what elaborate a little bit no no i just
0: got her i got her first name bro and i got where the city she lived that's all i need homie when you got like a weird (laughs) first name We got a weird first name and you got the, all you got to do is look up the first name and boom. Then I got the address. I found out where she lived, who lived with her, everything. And I actually went into the clerk of courts. I looked up her marriage certificate and everything. So yeah, dude, I'm a good stalker. So I I know all the, I know all the ways to, to look it up. So um, holy
1: shit, you just you just scared me, Steve. Holy listen. <laughs> Ladies out there, be careful when you give this man your phone number.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you're eating you're eating this girl out, and at the same time, you're thinking out of the back of her head that she probably got banged by her 60-year-old husband the night before in his wrinkly ass dick. You know, that's kind of disgusting. So as soon as I found all this out, I pretty much told her, you know, hey, let's don't talk to me again. So you know, I moved on. So I'm not interested in that shit. She can she can go bang someone else, you know.
1: You know, maybe she um maybe she wasn't good with just the alimony and she's waiting it out for uh for him to die before her. Who knows, right? If he's really that old.
0: Yeah, she you find out that she ends up killing him and uh doing it that way, speeds up the process, you know. So
1: nah, I I I've you know. dated younger women. I've dated women that are, you know, in their early twenties, but it's it's cool it's fun but trying to seriously make a home out of it or trying to play house with them trying to play daddy and mommy it's just not realistic not with somebody that age no matter where they come from or who they are it, well, happened, it you know it would have to be like one of these really weird crazy girls out there that likes old guys and I've met them I've met women that like men with like gray hair like grandfather dudes they're insanely attracted to men like that I've met about three in my lifetime that I that i've spoken to and um so i mean they are out there but extremely rare and yeah if you're you know if you're late 30s 40s and you got a relationship with a 20 something year old uh, yeah chances are it's probably probably not going to go too far and, you know if you live in like a, a third world country like the philippines like you know uh Mexico, South America or something, you might, you might be just fine because it's kind of cultural, but in the U S man, people are going to look at you guys like shit because of the age difference. Everywhere you go, they're automatically going to assume she's your daughter. Um, you know, people slide, make, make fun of you guys. And it's just, just how it is. It's just the culture. Wouldn't you agree, Steve?
0: Well, in this situation, she told me, Hey, I got married really young. I got married at 18. And I looked that up, the guy would have been 43 because he was 25 years older. So imagine a 43-year-old marrying an 18-year-old and that's kind of disgusting, yeah.
1: You don't get out to South Florida much? Don't don't you see a lot of those uh, rich guys with their sugar babies in South Florida when you get out there? There's a lot of that going on.
0: Yes, there is. There is definitely a lot. I think any wealthier part of the country, you see that, you know, New York, South Florida, you know, LA, stuff like that, yeah. Yeah,
1: that's pretty common in South Florida. You you have a lot of those uh foreign uh, a lot of that foreign money and a lot of those foreigners don't give a fuck. You know, they walk around with their uh, 20-year-old uh, with their 20-year-old uh trophy girls that are not even old enough to to drink and get into the clubs. And uh yeah, I mean you see that a lot in South Florida. Remember when I when I cruise through there, you see that a ton. Also uh once in a while you run into that in Vegas. A lot of these couples where you can you can tell the guy and the girl are a couple, but she's way, way younger than him, you know, fifteen, twenty years. You see that a lot with uh, when you get wealthy individuals out there you know. um, they'll tend to, they'll tend, you know for their second or third or fourth marriage, they'll tend to get
0: a, a really young one. Yeah, I'm curious any any listeners who actually traveled overseas and actually genuinely met someone. Um, while they were traveling and, you know, hit it off and stuff and had a long distance thing. They ended up getting married and bringing them over well, here. Curious, curious to hear from you guys. So definitely hit us up and, um, you know, ma- and tell us the story if you have a funny story about that or something. And we'll, uh, we'll talk about it later. So it's kind of, it's kind of a funny situation. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you guys listening to the show. Steve SMI here, Rick, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Have a good one. Have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, right. guys.